how's everybody doing in the Papakura campus? Kia ora to everybody. No mai, hari mai. If you are visiting with us here today, we want to say a massive welcome to you. It is so great to have you in our church today. And I just pray that the Lord would speak to you today. We have been uh, looking at a series that we're calling Tales of Old. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at those stories in the Bible that maybe you heard when you were younger. Maybe you uh, heard when you were in Sunday school. Perhaps your Bible in schools teacher told you these stories. Maybe some of them are those old classic, those old favorite ones that you go back to time and time again. Uh, These are the stories that you would speak of if you were to talk about the Bible stories. And we're seeing if we can perhaps dig a little deeper. We're seeing if we can see something more, to see something that maybe we haven't seen before. And my heart, my hope is that your faith would be encouraged today, that you would be spurred to go again, and that we might all learn something new. I'm just going to turn my Wi-Fi off because it keeps asking me if I want to connect to something No, I don't want to connect to anything. All right, here we go. Today we're looking at the story of Noah's Ark. I'm going to summarize it for you just for the sake of time. The world was evil, so much so that the Bible says that God regretted creating them. Ouch. Like you don't want to be that generation, right? Uh, There was only one man who was found to be blameless among them all, and his name was Noah. God asked Noah to build an ark to save his family and a male and female of every living thing that roamed the earth, swam in the sea, flew in the sky, to save them from a flood that was about to engulf the entire earth and wipe out all of mankind. The Bible says that Noah did everything just as God commanded. He built an ark, loaded everyone on board. And then God shut the door and the rain began to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. They drifted for another 150 days before the flood stopped. It was another 200 plus days before they were instructed to leave the ark, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth once again. You will also remember that in the story of Noah's ark, sometime after the flood and after Noah and everybody was allowed out of the ark, we know that a rainbow was placed in the sky as a reminder of the Lord's covenant to His people and also a promise to never flood the earth again. So we're familiar with the story, right? Everyone's on the same page. Now, when I went back and I studied and I looked into Noah and Noah's ark, it dawned on me that out of all the biblical heroes, Noah is probably the least impressive. I mean, if we were to compare him or put him on a scale, Noah would be likened to a superhero like Batman. I'm sorry if I'm going to offend any Batman fans out here, but Batman has got to be the least impressive of all the superheroes. I mean, the only reason he is a superhero is because he has lots of money and cool gadgets, right? He does not have laser eye vision. He does not go through walls. He's not very fast. He doesn't even fly without all of his cool gadgets. He wasn't bitten by a spider and now has cool spidey powers. Like, he really is the least impressive. And when I looked at Noah, out of all the faith heroes, I kind of thought, well, Noah... You know, like he built a boat. He's not like, he didn't lead armies like Gideon or Joshua or Deborah. He wasn't like a man of God prophet, like like Elijah or like Samuel. He ain't killing giants like David. He's not like leading a whole nation out of slavery with 12 plagues like Moses. He's not uh, saving a whole nation like Esther. In fact, the only people he saves is his immediate family. And I don't even think he lets his mother-in-law on board. Noah built a boat. Okay, I'll give it to him. 
it was a pretty big boat. And all right, he probably didn't have all the modern tools that we have today. And okay, he was probably likely to be building it on his own, maybe with the help of a few of his sons. But that was a pretty impressive undertaking. But still, he ain't got no laser eye vision, all right? This is not x-ray vision we're talking about here. And the Bible describes him as being righteous. But we know that he wasn't perfect because later on in the story, we see that he gets drunk on his own homebrew and his sons later find him naked in his tent. And yet... Yet Noah made it into the faith hall of fame that we see written into Hebrews. His faith is one of those kinds of faiths that you and I today are urged to look up to, are encouraged to look to as the kind of faith that we should be building in our own lives. And that, friends, is the beauty of the story of Noah. That, friends, is why we need to stop right here, lean in, take a second look and discover why this faith was such a faith that we should model our own faith after. Because if a man who is as ordinary and as imperfect as me, and a man who is as ordinary and imperfect as you, no offence, but as if, if his faith could be the kind of faith, if he should have such a faith that's listed in the Hebrews Hall of Fame, then surely there's hope for you and I to carry that kind of faith too. You see, what made Noah great was not that he did anything particularly great. What made Noah great is found in Genesis 6 verse 9. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Here it is. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. It's what made him great. It's what caused him to be found in the Hebrews Hall of Fame. Noah walked with God. And I want to look at this idea of walking with the Lord today because as I read through Noah's story, I realize that yes, he walked with the Lord, but I have got to let you know today it was not a walk in the park. And you need to know also that you and I are called to also walk with God. And we can, I'm sure if we were to both stand on the stage, we could testify to everybody in the room. And I know this from our own experience, that neither is our walk a walk in the park. Like it's hard. It's a hard walk. It's often filled with doubt. It's, it's windy. It's uphill. Listen, the walk can be lonely. It's often stormy. It's long. It's rocky. It can so many times be unclear. So let's today together, let's learn from Noah. Here's the first thing I learned as I re-looked at the story again. I learned that often the walk is silent. Often the walk is silent. I'm going to show you something real cool that happens in chapters 7 and 8 of Genesis. There's this mirroring of days that we see in the events that take place. See, in God's instructions, He says, in seven days, I will flood the earth. And following the instruction, it says that Noah did everything just as God commanded the animals, the ark, the family, all on board the boat. It then says, seven days later, the rain began to fall. After 40 days and 40 nights, the floods came. The Bible then records that the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 days. We then learn that the floodwaters begin to recede and after another 150 days, the boat comes to rest on Mount Ararat. 40 days later, Noah releases the raven and then the dove. Both come back having no place to find land. 
After waiting seven days, he sent a dove again. This time it returns with an olive leaf. He waited another seven days, released the dove again, and it didn't return. The waters continue receding. The earth becomes dry. God opens the doors for Noah and his family. What we see, and I'm going to throw it up on a chart here, what we see is a mirroring of days and events. Do you like my chart? Thank you. Thank you. 7, 7, 40, 150, 150, 7. We see this mirroring of days and numbers. See, here is what we know about what Noah was told by God. Just leave that up there for me, team. He was told that the world was corrupt and that God was going to wipe out the whole earth via a flood. He was given a very clear and specific set of instructions on how to build the ark. He knew exactly the size. He knew exactly the materials. He knew exactly what God wanted of him when he built the ark. He was then told that it would rain for 40 days and 40 nights. He knew that much. That sounds a little bit like the Auckland weather forecast if ever I heard one. But that was about it. There was not much information given after that. There was no plan for after the rain. There was no information on when the waters would recede. There was no time frame on how long they would be on that ark. There was no information given to them about where they might end up after the, like they could have ended up anywhere. Like I would have been on this boat going, Oh, I could feel us moving, but I don't know where I'm going to end up when this is all over. There was no instruction on what they were going to be doing afterwards. As far as we know, there were no mid-build catch-ups. There were no post-build debriefs. There were no mid-flood check-ins. Please also keep in mind that prior to the flood, they had not seen rain. The way that the ground was watered before the flood was that springs would come up through the earth. They didn't know what rain was. Noah was in completely unknown territory here. Noah was given limited information about something he had no reference for or knowledge on. He was not told much of the when, the how, the, the who, the what. And then reception drops out and God goes silent. You know those times when you're driving along and all of a sudden you lose reception and the person you're talking to just goes dead on you? That's exactly what happened to Noah when he was on the ark. We hear no other instruction from the Lord until over a year after he closed the door on them on the boat. In fact, I calculated that it was approximately 454 days from when God closed the ark in Genesis 7, 16 to when he says, open the ark in Genesis 8, 15. 454 days. Imagine that. Imagine being Noah round about here. You've been floating on this boat for 150 days. You have no idea what's going on out there. You have no word from the Lord. You have no instruction from Him. It's been 150 days and there's no news. No news on when it would end. The world as you know it has disappeared and everybody you knew with it. That you are now just on a boat, floating from between here and nowhere filled with animal chaos and probably a decent slice of family drama too. Can you imagine? I reckon for Noah, I reckon for Noah that after about 151 days, for some of us it would have been after three days, 
I reckon he probably, in fact, I've got no doubt in my mind that there were moments around about here when he thought, gee, I hope God hasn't forgotten about us. I hope God hasn't forgotten about us. I know I would have. And I bet you can easily imagine I bet you can easily imagine what it would be like to be sitting right about here in Noah's journey because you have been there too. You have felt like you're floating between here and nowhere. You have been through times and seasons where all you are is surrounded by chaos and yet you have no idea where you are, where you're going, what you're doing, where it feels like the reception's dropped out and God's gone silent on you. Where you've, We've all been through seasons where we feel like there's been no instruction from God. Everything feels very vague. The timing feels completely unknown. And we wonder, has he forgotten about me? I know, I feel like he said to do this, but has he forgotten about me? Here's the thing. Obedience would be easy if we knew all the details. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Obedience would be easy if we knew the outcome. Obedience would be easy if we knew the destination, but more often than not, the obedience that this walk with the Lord requires of us comes with an element of the unknown. It takes faith to build a boat without ever having seen rain. It takes faith to get inside an ark and let someone lock you in without knowing when they might let you out again. Often, this walk with the Lord is silent. But what's most interesting about this mirroring that we see, and you're going to see why I've shaped it in this way, is that there was a turning point. There was a turning point right there. And probably the most difficult, long and trying time in the journey, after such a long time with no word, we read these words. We read these words in Genesis 8 verse 1. But God remembered Noah. You can flick to the next screen. But God remembered Noah. But wait, did God actually forget him? Like I know that we feels like that sometimes. I know that that can feel very true sometimes. But in this case, like did he actually Forget Noah, the Hebrew word for remember in this verse is zakah, which means a remembering that leads to action. It's not that God forgot him. It's that now was the time for him to act. And when we read that God remembers, which we read multiple times throughout the Old Testament, we read that God remembered Noah. We read that God remembered Rachel. We read that God remembered Sarah. We read that God remembered Abraham and many others all throughout Scripture. We know, we can see it, that the remembering is always followed by a moving, by an action. We know that when He remembers, it means change is coming. God remembers and then he moves. And right there in probably Noah's deepest, darkest place of hopelessness and confusion, when all looked lost, from that moment on, we begin to see the story change. And I wonder if in your deepest place of hopelessness, confusion and loss, you might find it encouraging to know that your turning point is on its way. And what's even more interesting and encouraging for you and I is that Noah would not have known that his turning point had happened. 
What he saw with his physical eye was probably still the same for a long, long time. And yet we know that God was working behind the scenes the entire time. Perhaps today is a reminder to you that even though the walk is silent, sometimes you are never forgotten by God. His promise to you remains. His presence with you remains throughout the entire journey. And He will bring you out to a place of new life and fruitfulness and multiplication and abundance and hope. The walk might sometimes be silent, but it is never forgotten or forsaken. Noah walked with God. Number two. Here's what I learned from Noah's walk. Sometimes we walk against the grain. Sometimes we walk against the grain. See, one of the things that I have heard regularly preached about Noah's ark is that Noah was mocked and ridiculed by those around him for building a boat in the middle of a land that had never seen rain. We often hear that, don't we? The story is elaborated on, and if we've watched Evan Almighty... Noah is even portrayed as being a little bit on the crazy side. However, if you read through Genesis 6, 7 and 8, where the account of Noah's ark is written, and if you look at the mentions of Noah in Hebrews and 2 Peter, there is actually no reference for anyone ridiculing or mocking Noah in his boat building endeavours. The idea that people mocked Noah is one of those details that many of us have heard many times and we simply assume that it's stated in Scripture outright. And given what we know about sinful man and the state of the world pre-flood, it's certainly plausible, I'm sure, maybe, I don't know. There could have been scoffers around Noah. But, and the Bible provides limited details on a lot of the historical events on there. And naturally, we just imagine them as they might be. And we kind of fill in the gaps a lot of the time. But we're never actually told that Noah even had an audience for his boat building. We don't know if anyone was around him to watch what he was up to. But here is what we do know. And let's concentrate on that. We do know that Noah lived in a world that was counter to the ways of God. We do know that Noah walked the narrow path of righteousness in a world that was unrighteous. We do know that Noah lived differently to those he was surrounded by. In a world described as wicked, I can only imagine that Noah must have felt at times like he was walking against every grain of the culture he was living in. And you and I both know in 2023, that's a hard walk. Am I right? That's a hard walk. We know that walk in 2023 and it is not easy. And I need you to know, and you you will know this already in your life, but there are going to be times in your workplace, at your university, in your neighbourhood, at the school your kids go to. There are going to be times even in your own family, maybe even in your own home, where you feel like you are walking against the grain of the culture that surrounds you. Here is what Noah did as he walked with the Lord. He trusted God's ways above the world's ways. 
He trusted God's ways above the world's ways. And I think there is no greater time for us than now to make a decision today to trust in God's ways above the world's ways. See, walking against the grain requires us to determine that even if it's difficult, even if it's uncomfortable, we are committed to a walk of both righteousness and obedience, just like Noah did. Trust in God's ways over the world's ways. Third and final thing I learned as I read through the story once more. Here it is. Are you ready? It's groundbreaking. The more we walk, the further we go. <laughs> Duh. I know, it seems obvious. It's obvious, but it's not easy. The more we walk, the further we go. So how does Noah do it? How does he continue a walk with the Lord in a season of both silence and cultural combat? Well, we find it repeated over and over and over again in the story. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Eugene Peterson describes walking with the Lord as a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. You want to walk, you want to walk far? You simply have to keep walking. Because as long as you keep walking, you will keep communing. See, for you and I, a walk with the Lord means developing a relationship through prayer and time spent in the Word so that you can grow to a point where you hear His voice and know His Word. Because in a world that is loudly proclaiming what is very counter to the ways of God, you need confidence that you are both A, hearing from God, and B, that you know what His Word says so that you can, like Noah, do exactly as everything, exactly as God commands. The way that Noah walked with God in the midst of a world set on evil is a model for you and I to follow after. Noah walked with God. Can I get the band to come and join me now? Here's the good news for you and I though, because there's something that we have that Noah didn't have. Noah went through all of that journey. He went through all of those days in the ark. He went through that walk of obedience, even in the difficult times, and he didn't have what we have today. We have a constant and even physical reminder of his faithfulness in our walk. And Genesis 9 verse 12 says this, and God said, this is a sign of the covenant I'm making between you, between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations. That's you and me. I have placed my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. The bow will be in the clouds and I will look at it and remember the permanent covenant I have between God, permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on earth. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the, of the covenant that I have established between me and every creature on earth. After establishing His covenant twice, within three verses, He says, I will remember my covenant. I will remember my covenant. I will remember my covenant. 
And when we are reading the Bible, if God repeats Himself, we need to listen. If He says something more than once, if He says something more than twice, it's time to start listening. And so what does He want to remind us of today? What is He saying? He's saying, I'm not just a promise-making God. I'm a promise-keeping God. And I believe there are some of you that need to hear that today, that need to be reminded that the promises that He has made you over the years that maybe you haven't seen come to fruition are still promises He intends to keep. Because on our walk of uphills and downhills and off-roading and winding paths, it's so important that we know that what God has spoken can be trusted. Why? Because He can be trusted. He can be trusted. And the rainbow is our reminder of this. A perpetual symbol of His infallible Word testifying to His faithfulness. Noah walked with God. And it was through that walk, it was through walking with the Lord that he experienced the grace and the favour of the Lord in every season of his life. The silent seasons, the difficult seasons, the lonely seasons, the chaotic seasons, the scary seasons, the hopeless seasons, the seasons where it feels like he was forgotten. He walked with God.